It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caligero. It's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing all right today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's to get an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by our free app. Yeah, you want to watch our show or listen to the show on on your cell phone or your handheld? Download the free app. It's easy. Visit BillyCBoxing.com and click on the banner that says... Download the free app. Yeah, I told you, it's easy. Just do it and uh, check it out. Finally, uh, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to the show. Just visit bondsandnoble.com or amazon.com. Looking to get a signed copy? Visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the book. You can't miss it. And uh, look, it's the holidays. So if you're looking to get several copies, because I strongly suggest you buy a bunch of copies and uh, give them out as Christmas gifts, then drop me an email and I'll hook you up with a special deal. Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. So anyway, um, yesterday we had uh, some issues with uh, uh, our... um, Sound system. We were in the middle of a snowstorm up here, and uh, I don't know what happened, but uh, the bottom line is our we blew out our sound system, which uh, got uh, replaced, and uh, we should be up and running 100% today. It's too bad because Sal and I did a, our, our, a great show together, and just her, he and I got to see it. And speaking of Sal, joining me right now uh, is Sal Rocky Senecola. That was fun yesterday. We, we actually went a couple of extra hours, didn't we? Bill, I thought that was a great show, and and thanks for leading me on because I, I thought we were on all the time, but uh, uh, I I found out uh, you know three quarters of the way through that it's been it was a muted show, right? You know, and uh, but it but, was good well, practice. It was great. I mean, we had a great time, and uh, too yes, bad everybody missed it. You know, and uh, uh, anyway, some news. Did you forget, uh, to, did you forget to push record too? <laughs> no. Well, I didn't want to leave uh, uh, the soundless version of the show uh, up there, but. Uh, 
See, the, 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 the moral of the story, boys and girls, is that Sal and I were able to hear each other. No problem. It was uh, the rest of you guys and gals that couldn't uh, hear us. But uh, Anyway, um, some news, uh, new news that we'll talk about, and then uh, we'll get back into some of the stuff that we actually talked about yesterday. Um, Tyson Fury. Remember the ban that uh, they had on him uh, uh, for the uh, the British version of the anti-doping agency? Um, he and his uh, bro- uh, cousin, Huey, not baby Huey, Huey Fury, uh, they were uh, accused of uh, testing positive for a banned steroid uh, back in uh, June of last year. And um, they denied it. And, and Sal, if you recall at the time, they said that the reason why the positive result came is because they eat wild boar that uh, is not castrated, and uh, that's where they uh, got the, the the testosterone or whatever they had in there. Um, make a long story short, they've both uh, been lifted. The ban has been lifted basically for time served. They are ready to get back into the sport. Uh, Tyson Fury is... Uh, uh, already calling out Anthony Joshua. Huey Furry hasn't said anything. Uh, obviously, the uh, BBBSC also has to give the blessing, but uh, uh, it's been reported that uh, they are going to uh, follow the uh, um, UK's uh, anti-doping agency's uh, lead here. Sal, what's your thoughts on Tyson Fury being free? Uh, you know, being cleared to uh, uh, be free to fight and, and start to get back in shape, etc. Will it help or hurt the heavyweight division? That's a good call. I mean, if he if he just cuts out all the drama and uh, just does what he says he's going to do and just get back in shape and uh, and maybe uh, stick on uh, his, his his mental uh, frame and as being you know put the blinders on and focus as a combatant and uh, do what he's got to do. Maybe maybe he'll be. Uh, a contender in the mix to uh, to throw in there. So uh, I mean, you know, that's what you got to do, though. You got to map out your plan. You got to make your plan and work your plan. And you got to be free of all the antics and all the the uh, PEDs and all the wild boar and your diet and everything else that's going to be affecting your 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 blood test. And uh, you know, know that you are in a business that you only have a few short years to make a career out of, and you're going to make it or break it. And you're only as good as your last fight and your last word. So do the right thing. Sit down with a strong consultant who's a boxer guy in the game and try to map out what you could do to resurrect a career to get back into contention and then fight for a title. And let's see what you could do. Well, just and remember, that's it. Just remember Tyson Fury, uh, when he left the sport, when he retired, uh, he was the champion. He is undefeated. And he was actually... Prior to Anthony Joshua, he was the guy that that beat Klitschko. Um, I've always been a fan of Tyson Fury, um, at least uh, prior to all the shenanigans. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see. He's you know he's clearly out of shape right now. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if he's mentally into the sport. And I don't mean to use the word mentally because there was some question of his uh, mental stability uh, several months back but um, I'm talking about if he's mentally prepared to to give it his all or if he's just looking to get a big payday uh, I, I kind of think that he's got an ego Sal and that he is going to try to give it his all 
I hope so, because you know what? It would be good for boxing if he could do it. Like I said, if he, as you so well put it, he was leaving the game with the shenanigans, with his mental state at the time, and, and uh, you know, it was uh, just a little bit overbearing. But the guy, as you pointed out, he's undefeated. He was a world heavyweight champion. And uh, can he make that climb back into the saddle and then take the ride? You know, those are the words that we're going to have to see. And like I said, you do what you say, you say what you do, and you make it happen. You don't just look for the antics and the secondary tertiary excuses. You just have a mission. You put the blinders on and let your your fists, let your actions, let your training, let everybody else do the talking for you. And get away from all the I can, you can, this one and everything else. You know what? Let your, your training regimen and let your fists do the talking. Um, some other news that I wanted to get to that uh, uh, we talked about yesterday. Unfortunately, just Sal and I talked about it. But mm-hmm. uh, Kel Brook uh, has announced his comeback. Uh, he will be fighting in March, March 3rd to be exact. And he's going to be fighting at the junior middleweight division. I think this is a great move. I think Kel Brook, um, you know, he remember, he was a welterweight world champion. He moved up to fight Triple G. Uh, so he bypassed the junior middleweight division. I personally never thought he was going to go back down to welterweight, but he did. Uh, like we spoke about yesterday, Sal, you know, he ended up getting uh, his orbital bones broken, both of them. Uh, both. One, uh, uh, Consecutive the, uh, fights, back to back, right? Right. You know, so, so uh, you know, that is a concern. But uh, listen, whether you like Kell Brook or not, whether you think he's, you know, possesses uh, uh, the skill set uh, required to to and I'm going to use the word, be, be a great fighter. Um, that's neither here nor there. The one thing I think everyone that follows the sport of boxing can agree on about Kell Brook is he's a, he mans up, man. He fights, he fights who he's got to fight. This is a guy that doesn't seem to duck anybody, and uh, I happen to like the guy. He's shown a lot of heart and determination. There were some critics uh, in his last fight when he ended up uh, uh, having to, uh, to, to quit, so to speak, because of the broken eye socket, the other one. And uh, people were saying, ah, oh, well, you shouldn't have quit. Well, you know what? This is what bothers me when people compare boxing to MMA. MMA, they could tap out, which is quitting, and nobody says boo. In boxing, no. you have a broken orbital bone. You break your orbital bone in a fight. You get it smashed, and you say you can't continue anymore, and you're a quitter. You know, uh, what's his name? Um, bit his, through his tongue. Uh, the heavyweight, Amir Mansour, bit through his tongue. And people are criticizing him for quitting. You know, I, I mean, quitting like Rigondeaux did against Lomachenko, I guess you can give him some criticism. But a guy that breaks his orbital bone or another guy that puts his tooth, that, by the way, has a mouth guard protecting it through his tongue, I think they get a pass, Sal. Well, I think so. And, and you know, it's amazing what drives fighters. And like, and like you were pointing out, you know, I remember one time I was fighting in France, and guys, and, 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 um, an amateur, and for the first time in my life, I didn't know what happened. I, I'm gonna tell you this: first round, I get hit with a hook because I was bobbing and weaving, and that was my style. And bam, I got smacked with a hook and the glove. It blew out my eardrum, and for all I know, and I couldn't hear. Ear was air, a i r was coming out of my ear. Felt like um, my equilibrium was all off. I went back after the first round, and I, I I'm sitting on a stool. I say, well, do I tell anybody or, or do I just go and fight? I just went out and fought the ne- re- remainder of the next two rounds. But um, I, 
I didn't know what to expect. It was the first time. I thought maybe I was uh, my brain was leaking. I thought maybe maybe I had a hemorrhage. I, I couldn't believe it. It never happened before. It just boom, popped out, blew out. And uh, later on, of course, I went to the doctors down over in France, and they uh, they uh, diagnosed with the blown out eardrum. So, uh, but man, you you don't know. And when you when you have a broken orbital bone, yeah, you're gonna feel some pain. And every time you tap it, it's gonna be uh, be more than something that's gonna make you think twice. So you don't know what's gonna happen sometimes. I'll give him a pass on that because guess what? He he is a warrior. He challenges himself. Kell Brook was a was is is a, a competitor, and uh, I wish him the very best getting back. And I just hope he's uh, his body is not uh, going to be uh, one to to break up uh, as easily. I would think that an orbital bone would be extremely uh, painful. It's got to be but, painful, uh, even more than an eardrum. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, but uh, no, I, I think he's uh, proven. And I think the the key here was your choice of words um, about uh, uh, you know his desi- the the fact that he's a warrior you know the the fact that you know he challenges himself you know but uh, um, I, you know uh, we just got a uh, my man uh, coach uh, just filled us in you and I were just talking about this before we went live yes. uh, Jeff Horn. Uh, won his fight. He stopped his opponent in the 11th round. So this is taking place live as we're doing the show. So uh, uh, congratulations to Jeff Horn, yes. um, the land uh, fighting in the land down under. Um, so I'm looking forward to Brooke making his return. Brooke says, I can't wait to get back in there. It's going to be a special returning to the arena. Dispense defeat, cut deep, and it took me some time to come to terms with it, but now I'm back uh, with a new challenge at 154 pounds. I believe I'm going to be stronger and better than ever in this division, and my focus now is on becoming a two-weight, two-time world champion. He's uh, scheduled to fight um, uh, Rabchenko uh, on uh, um, March 3rd, uh, Sergey Rabchenko, and he says, uh, uh, as far as uh, my next fight, Rabchenko is dangerous fighter for the return, but I want to jump straight back into uh, the fight game at, the, at a world level. And I think our styles will gel for an electric fight. I'm already deep in my training camp, and I can't wait to feel the atmosphere again in my hometown on March 3rd. He will be fighting in the Sheffield Arena, uh, which will be broadcast on Sky Sports. Um, Sal, his nickname is the special one, and, you know, I I, I agree with that. You know, his fight, uh, back-to-back fights, uh, Triple G and then uh, Errol Spence, uh, you know, showed... Uh, the type of uh, challenges like you just mentioned a few moments ago, this guy undertakes, which I respect immensely. And Rabchenko is a uh, a really tough opponent. I mean, most of the time we see a guy coming back, especially from an injury, and they ease him back into the tub, so to speak. Correct. Uh, you know, and he takes an easier fight and, and you know, uh, gets right back uh, into it or, or slowly gets back into it. Uh, Kel Brook, on the other hand, is going right for a top contender. Uh, he's going in a new weight division. Yes, he fought Triple G at 160. Yes, his body looks like it's going to be able to handle 154 at no problem. But still, he's never fought in this division. I can't say enough positive things about this guy, and I'm really looking forward to it. And to be honest with you, Sal, I think 154 is the perfect weight for Kell Brook. What do you think? I think you hit it right on. I mean, you know what? I think uh, middleweight, uh, even though his frame could carry it, and I'm sure he, we know how heavy he was that night. Uh, 
I think his agility, his athleticism, and his uh, kinesthetic sense, as I always throw in there for fighters, I think he'll be primo. I think he'll be right on at 154. And um, like I said, I wish him all the luck. I, I love Kell Brook. He is a warrior, challenges himself, no excuses. This guy does what he says he's going to do, and he comes in and he performs every time he's in the ring. Yeah, well, you he know what? Totally. I have a feeling that he's going to do well. The only, My only concern is there's some big-ass guys in the 154-pound uh, division right now. I still don't know how Hurd or, or uh, the, the one Charlo brother makes weight. Uh, these guys look monstrous <laughs> by fight night, but uh, uh, that's what Kell Brook is going to be up against. But he's already, uh, you know, uh, went uh, up against Triple G and uh, didn't fare too well, and he also went up against... Uh, Errol Spence Jr. didn't fare too well there, uh, but uh, we'll see what happens with Kell Brook. Uh, I think one of the gutsiest uh, fighters uh, out there today, so I'm looking forward to his uh, return. Uh, this past weekend, we saw a big fight uh, between uh, Vasily Lomachenko and Guillermo Rigondeaux. Uh, we will be talking to Larry Hazard in a little bit uh, about that fight, get his thoughts on it. But uh, uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up today, Sal, is that they released the numbers uh, and uh, it had huge ratings, even considering it was going head-to-head -head, uh, with HBO, even though Lomachenko-Rigondeaux was a much better and more anticipated and interesting fight than HBO had on. HBO had the Salido-Roman uh, uh, Roman fight on, which uh, we all know was an exciting fight, and anybody that follows the sport knew that it was going to be uh, a back-and-forth fight. But a 1.5-metered market rating... Uh, was the second highest rated boxing uh, telecast in all of 2017. And consider some of the, the huge fights that we saw so far in 2017. Uh, Saturday night on ESPN, uh, Lomachenko and uh, uh, Rigondeaux got 1.5 metered rating. That's huge uh, for television market, uh, especially for boxing. What's your thoughts? Well, I think it's great. I mean, you know, I was haunted this week with the last show we did last week and we said both of us that how do we feel that this fight would live up to the hype and we both committed saying it would unfortunately we were both wrong on that um and uh but i'm glad that the enthusiasm and the anticipation of seeing a classic war between two uh opponents that that uh, are world class and are world beaters um uh, did attract many people and I, I think that's great for boxing i'm just sorry that it really did not live up to the hype because Rigondeaux quit yeah well you know what um I, you know people were comparing that with uh with durant, uh, durant. and I, you know exactly. I, 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 I it was totally different than the durant fight I, you know the durant fight and, and yes you know before anybody sends me emails or anything else or, or makes a comment in our chat room and by the way if you're watching or listening live um no matter where you're watching or listening live don't forget we respond directly to uh the chat room the one chat room up on billycboxing.com i know there's several others um and by the way 2018 we're going to be telling you our schedule for the remainder of uh, 2017 next week it is going to be a short one we are going to be off um a, a bit for for the holidays but man do we got some stuff you we're gonna be off from you not sal and i we we, we got a no, lot of stuff we're working work. on um and you guys are gonna love some of the stuff that's coming out uh on this show in 2018 and i will give you a heads up our facebook we simulcast on facebook which i'm embarrassed to say is such a terrible feed 
and the camera's terrible. All of that's changing, boys and girls. We got a, a whole new system specifically set up for our Facebook uh, simulcast. So uh, you guys are going to be loving that, uh, especially the people that uh, prefer to do that. But um, I, the, the difference between the No Moss fight and the Rigondeaux fight, in my opinion, Sal, was the fact that, and I said this the other day uh, that nobody heard, but, uh, I, you know, the difference was that Roberto Duran was frustrated because he was a mano a mano type guy. He he wanted to, he wanted to to go in there and and you know who's the bigger man, who's the tougher guy. Let's duke it out, and the winner is standing, and the loser falls. And Sugar Ray Leonard uh, danced around and and you know did more of a hit and and run type of a, 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 a of a of a performance, and it frustrated Duran to the point where he's like, I'm not wasting my time. And he quit. I mean, no mas, he quit. I'm, I'm, there's no way to sugarcoat it. The difference with Rigondeaux is that Lomachenko and Rigondeaux, for, for that matter, are true sweet science guys, which means that they are standing in harm's way when they're letting their hands go. And at the same time, they're avoiding the onslaught from the opponent. That's the sweet science. The sweet science is when you're in range to inflict damage on your opponent and they're in range to inflict damage on you and they can't hit you because you're avoiding it and you're hitting them that's the sweet science okay i mean you know a lot of people say oh the sweet science hit not get hit they leave that other part out i think what frustrated rigandow in this fight sal was the fact that he was in range and he still could not hit lomachenko and the whole thing about the hand and all of that and quitting on his stool I could read, and I would rewatch that fight, and when the corner said, no, done, finished, done, they were just as upset with their fighter as the fans were. Did you notice that? Yes, I did, and uh, I can't believe you pointed that out and you saw that because, let's, let's face it, I mean, I think by the third round, Rigondeaux, and I can't speak for him, but he, I mean, it was just a matter of Lomachenko having an answer for everything that Rigondeaux was going to try and do. And uh, it was it was going to be answered only by uh, Lomachenko because, you know, no matter what happened, Lomachenko was in position. He was striking him. He was hitting him. And uh, there were the, the, the sneaky uppercuts, the left hooks, the right hands, the, the jabs. And Rigondeau couldn't get out of the gate. And it was frustrating. So by that sixth round or whatever, he, he said, wait a minute, you know what? My hand hurts or whatever. I, I'm not going to go out there. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just getting beaten no matter what I do. I, I, like I said, if these fighters think about the big picture, then what's right in front of them in a minute, in the instance, who knows? Had he gotten proper or had he gotten different uh, instructions from his corner, seeing some opportunities or seeing what he could do to change a game plan, I don't know. It, it, the thing is, we'll never know because it, it, it won't play out like that. If we saw what happened, and that's what we could use to make our own opinions and see. But he did quit. His hand wasn't broken. They gave him a clearance. I think he might have had a hematoma or something, but that's a bruise. People fight with broken hands. People fight with bruises. People fight. That's why it, it's not an easy game of boxing. Not everyone can do it. You know, I, the ramifications and repercussions from Rigondeau deciding to not continue – could very well destroy his career. Big um, time. You know, oh, big time. I, I, yeah, oh, you yeah. know, he never made the money and got the fights that he wanted to. He's 37 years old. You know, he, he gets outclassed by Lomachenko. And Lomachenko, 
I, you know, I, I mean, he distanced himself from everybody else in the sport right now. And as far Absolutely. as Rigondeaux, who many people believed was, you know, a, a top guy in his own right, kind of hurt himself. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens from this point on uh, with him. But uh, anyway, hold that thought, Sal. We got to take a break when we come back, and hopefully the uh, brake system will work. But uh, we will when we come back, we got uh, some more to talk about that. Sal's raising his hand, so he's got something to say about that. I got some uh, David Lemieux and uh, Billy Joe Saunders quotes. Then we're going to uh, break and uh, have uh, Larry Hazard come on. We'll talk to him. Then we're coming back to Sal because uh, we're putting off the uh, blast from the past till next week. My man Alex is under the weather. Uh, so, uh, Sal, you're going to be uh, back. we got a bunch of emails to read. Don't go anywhere. So we'll be back in two. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, just before we uh, went to break... We had a guy in the back row raising his hand. What'd you want, Sal? What'd you want? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> no, Must no, no, no. Broken we were talking about um, we were talking about Lomachenko and uh, Rigandow, and you know what's going to be in Rigandow's future. I mean, is he going to be a quitter? This and that. Well, I, I immediately thought back to you know uh, the time when uh, Jake Lamada was having a hard time getting fights and. Uh, he went against uh, Billy Fox and threw the fight. And uh, and then, uh, you know, he was told, hey, if you win, you win. If you lose, you still win because you're going to get fights. So who knows? Maybe rigging down now in his own weight class, uh, everybody could be coming out of the woodwork because uh, they think he's vulnerable and they think he's going to be beat. So let's see what he could do to resurrect his career. Because well, I'll tell you what, what he did that night, how, how can a promoter have the confidence that they're going to have a, a fighter that's back on the, the, the top of the game, not going to quit and not going to disappoint the fans and the audience, you know? You know, I, I was a front runner and, and really complaining about the size difference between yeah. um, uh, Lomachenko and Rigondeaux. But the truth of the matter is, is, you know, on fight night, they look the same size. So I, I, I'm not going to give them that. I'm not. No. Even though I, 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 I mentioned that, you know, when we were breaking down the fight. Um, but, uh, but anyway, um, David Lemieux and, and Billy Joe Saunders are uh, going at it. And, and one thing I, I want to I say, you know, and, and I'm, I'm in the chat room uh, trying to get some points across here. You know, I, I'm going to break down the fights and stuff uh, on uh, tomorrow, I guess. We're not doing the show on uh, on Thursday, but I'll be breaking down the fights. Uh, but Billy Joe Saunders, uh, and, and obviously we're talking about Billy Joe Saunders and David Lemieux, but uh, Billy Joe Saunders, there's one thing I'm just going to say about this guy right now that I've, you know, as I'm, as I'm, <laughs> as I'm learning more about Billy Joe Saunders, Early in his career, when you take a look at his career, and I'm talking about when he turned pro, 
you know, back in 2009. If you take a look at some of the fighters he fought, now, for the uneducated boxing fan, they look at a guy like he made his pro de- uh, debut against a guy, uh, Atalia uh, Molnar, 12-12-6, right? So you're talking about a, a, a guy with 30 professional fights and Billy Joe Saunders fought him. He In his third fight, he fought a guy 13-52, and 52, all right? Now, from the uneducated uh, boxing fan, they would look at those fighters and they would say, oh, look at these bums. But here's the thing. When you're a pro and you're t- when you turn pro and you fight against a guy, uh, even at 13 and 52, 52 losses, this is a guy that has been in there, you know, almost 70 fights, professional fights, and they bring something in the education and learning aspect of a pro fighter. This is the type of fights that you can't avoid. When you look at even David Lemieux, when you look at his resume, and you look at his first 10 or 12 fights, nowhere did he fight an experienced fighter like Billy Joe Saunders. He fought 2-0 and guys, 1-2, and pro debuts. I mean, guys they bring in that don't stand a chance. You know, when you fight a guy and you're a young fighter on the way up and you're fighting a guy with 60 or 70 fights Jeez. early on, this guy, I don't care if he lost every one of them, he's bringing in 70 fights of experience to a pro debut or, or, or a fighter with a handful of pro fights that is a tricky guy to fight I mean tell me I'm wrong Sal I mean what, what, what do you think Billy you know I'll tell you what that is that I had no idea and I'm glad you pointed that out because that is a surmountable kind of opposition no matter what skill level no matter how I mean those are years those are fights those are recorded rounds that of experience whether you win lose or draw you have had some experience behind you. You know what to expect. You know what to anticipate. So I, I, I give him all that more credit. I mean, you know what? I didn't make my pro debut against a guy who had 50 fights, professional fights. I'll, I'll admit that. But uh, I'll tell you what. No, that is quite a feat. And, yes, in that long career with 10 wins and maybe 40 losses, guess what? The guy has had some victories in between. The guy has had some things. He is a he is a professional opponent, but he's still dangerous. Every fighter is still dangerous because they they bring to the game uh, still that that level of of conditioning, that level of experience. They've been there, they've done that. So you never know. Like I said, he he they did have a few wins, and I think that's a that's a pretty good start out of the gate. Am I credit to him? Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, I what. I promoted fights, and I remember having, uh, and this is my problem with fight. and I say it all the time, this is my problem with the way fighters are moved today. It's not the fighter's fault. It's the management that's afraid to get the loss because, uh, you know, boxing has become the value is in the O. And, you know, when you have a fighter that's fighting all the, the toughest fights and he's got an O, that's a guy that's a badass. You got a guy that's coddled, and, and and David Lemieux is a good example because he was so overprotected. And I got to call some early fights in Canada uh, with David Lemieux, and and his first trainer was Russ Amber. And you know, I was even saying to Russ one time, you know, I mean, I, you know, wh- when's he going to step up? You know, and uh, well, we're taking our time with him. We're taking our time, and and this is a guy blowing away, you know, guys that shouldn't have even been in the ring. And then when he loses, everybody's like, oh, he was exposed. And obviously, David Lemieux learned a valuable lesson in that first loss and then subsequently another one after that. 
And he's, I think, has improved immensely in his last few fights. Billy Joe Saunders has had the luxury of learning and fighting these experienced fighters on his way up. So now, you know, when he steps in the ring, and I personally was not giving him much of a chance against David Lemieux, but as I've been looking and divulging deeper into his career, this is a guy David Lemieux is going to have his hands full. <laughs> Um, with, I, I mean, it, it's going to be a tough fight, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, some of the comments that these guys have made uh, over the last couple of days, David Lemieux said, I'm really excited for this fight. I'm more excited, actually, just to lay my hands on Billy Joe Saunders more than anything else. He's got a big mouth. I'm going to make him pay for it in the ring. Uh, all this animosity is going to come out in the ring. If he thinks he can run away for 12 rounds, he's in a lot of trouble. He said a whole bunch of things, just his character. He is who he is, and, and I don't like him. Um, David Lemieux says, uh, also, I've never said that uh, I doubted his chin. Regardless, he's going to hit the floor. And whether I win by knockout or 12 rounds, it doesn't matter. But I will drop him, and I will hurt him. There's a lot of... Uh, uh, fans in England who have written to me because they don't like Billy Joe Saunders and they want me to get rid of him. So I'm going to do everybody a favor. I'll take care of him. The one thing that uh, David Lemieux has to watch out for, Sal, is is uh, Billy Joe Saunders' son because Billy Joe Saunders' son kicks everybody in the you know watch. But uh, anyway, Billy Joe Saunders says... It's only at the way. I know. <laughs> Billy Joe Saunders says, uh, on you know, when asked about uh, David Lemieux's knockout ratio, he says, he's knocked out bums, yeah, knocking out old men, but he's uh, got stuck against Rubio. Rubio's the, the guy I was referring to when uh, Lemieux lost uh, that night on ESPN. He says uh, he's a tough man with power. Uh, he lost his next uh, fight, then fought bums all the way up to Triple G. Curtis Stevens, not an A-level fighter. He's just a step in, a bit seasonal fighter. A fighter. He's really nothing special. He dealt with him, fair play, but he's got spanked by Triple G previously to that. When you mix him up against the very, very best of the league, he's not quite too comfortable. He didn't win a round against Triple G. Uh, David has no chance of winning against me. I'm convinced that he will not make the distance against me. I'm willing to bet my part of my purse uh, to charity if I lose, and the winner will choose which charity to give it to. I'm not here for the money or anything like that. I'm here to make a statement. There's no point in talking anymore. All that matters now is what happens on Saturday. I, I can't wait for this fight. What a great Man, fight I'll to close out 2017. I mean, when you look at 2017 and all the great fights we had, Sal, I mean, could we ask for a better fight to close out the year? No, Bill, That this is going to be a signature fight. And you know I'm a big David Lemieux fan. And uh, not too many people, uh, except for maybe Kel Brook, uh, Dave Lemieux, and uh, Canelo Alvarez could say that they, they have – improved or they've gone on after a fight with uh, Triple G. But uh, Dave Lemieux, I think he's learned uh, some valuable lessons in the, in the last two years. Um, you know, we, we hope that we're going to see the Dave Lemieux that we know possesses the power. You know, I know he's looked a little thick-skinned in the ring uh, of late, but uh, you know what? He still is effective. He still delivers. And uh, I, uh, I'm a big Lemieux fan. I'm going to say it right here and now. And I'd like to learn a little bit more about Billy Joe Saunders, and I'm going to start hunting on, on that for the show on Friday, uh, Thursday. But I'll tell you what, it's going to be a great fight. I can't wait to see it, and may the best man win. I think, uh, you know, Billy Joe Saunders, you know, I, I don't know if I believe what he's saying in terms of he's not doing it for the money. 
Um, he is definitely doing it for the money. But, That's why they call it prize fighting, you know. But but the truth of the matter is, is he beats David Lemieux. The winner of this fight, regardless of whether it's Billy Joe Saunders or David Lemieux, is in a, is in a really good spot. And I got news for you. The loser of this fight's in a good spot, too, because this is what I see. Are. This is what I see happening. And then we're going to take a break. And actually, we're kicking you to the curb and, uh, for a half hey, hour. You're coming back at nine. So don't, don't – you're coming back uh, after – after Larry, okay. so uh, don't go too far. But, um, you know, here's what I see happening in this fight. The winner of this fight will go and fight the winner of the rematch between Triple G and Canelo, which incidentally, uh, some reports that I've heard is that it's uh, 95% done, uh, the deal. So uh, uh, don't uh, think for a minute that fight's not going to happen. But I see the winner of this fight fighting the winner of that fight to basically be the undisputed world middleweight champion. But I also see the two losers fighting each other, Sal. Yes. To yes. get yes. another shot at the winner of the two winners. I mean, I, what's better <laughs> than that in the middleweight division? I mean, uh, you know, come on. You've got the best middleweights fighting each other. And, you know, you got the second best middleweights fighting each other. And then have the two winners fight each other, have the losers fight each other, and the lo the winner of the two losers earns a shot at the winner of the two winners. And then now we end up with you know three good fights. You know we're gonna ha well, I know we're gonna have a good fight on Saturday. I know we're gonna have a good fight um, uh, with the rematch with Triple G and Canelo. And then we could potentially have two more good fights. Well, I guess that's four good fights. Two more good <laughs> fights. Uh, with the with the with the winners against the the winners and the losers against the losers, so I, I'm 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 looking forward to this, my man. Man, let me tell you, you just did the round robin and the whole thing. I'll tell you, all all eyes are going to be on for 2018, the middleweight division and the heavyweight division, and maybe a few others. But I'll tell you what, that is a phenomenal depiction, and those are going to be some great great events that happen. And and everyone, you know who's going to win? The fans. The exactly. fans are going to win because they're going to see some top fights in that middleweight division. Exactly. Sal, we'll see you in about a half hour. We're kicking Sal to the curb. I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, uh, Larry Hazard is scheduled to join us. So uh, don't go nowhere. Billy C will be right back. Hey, fight fans. Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And tell them Billy C sent you. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. 
Glad you could be with us today. And uh, joining me right now, like he always does on Wednesdays, is my man, Boxing Hall of Famer, New Jersey Boxing Commissioner, Larry Hazard. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Billy. How you, how you doing? Cold up there, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, what's funny is uh, you guys got hit with some snow, and uh, my pops calls me and uh, says, oh, there's snow up there. I said, yeah, you know, we just got a little dusting. It wasn't, it wasn't bad at all. And he says, oh, man, you know, we got it. We got it bad down here. And then the next day came. You know, I, I wake up, there's 10 inches of snow. We're getting snow today, tomorrow. I'm like, what's going on? You know, I was spoiled. But then again, it is the middle of December already, Larry. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost Christmas. I know. Don't remind you know, me. No. Last weekend, well, I don't, uh, what's that? I don't, li- I don't like the snow. So, <laughs> you know, what we, got, what we got a few days ago was like rain. You know, it wasn't really sticking. You know, it was just coming down, melting once it hit the ground. So that's okay. I don't have a problem with that. Man, when you start getting that snow where it's deep and you can't drive, I, I'm just not a snow guy, man. I'm not anymore either. I'm not a cold guy. I, I mean, I used to. it used to never bother me. See, the difference between up here and, and down downstate and, and uh, you know, where you are is that, like you said, it snows, you could get a foot, and it's gone in two days. Once it hits the ground here, it stays until summertime. You know, it's like I feel like I'm in Alaska. But uh, anyway, this past weekend, big fight. Uh, was an- We anticipated a big fight between uh, Vasily uh, Lomachenko and Guillermo Rigondeaux. And, um, I, you know, a lot of people have been saying a lot of positive things about Lomachenko, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I... I I was concerned, I'll be honest, I was concerned before the fight about the size difference. I thought that Lomachenko was going to be way bigger and everything else. But to my surprise, they looked like they were the same size in the ring. They had the rehydration clause. So I, I thought it was pretty even. I'm not going to give Rigondeaux, uh, you know, any any pass for, for being the smaller guy because for, for all intent and purposes, they were the same size. But, man, did Lomachenko put on a show and and cause Rigondeaux to quit. I know he said he you hurt his hand. What what I witnessed in that ring, Larry, and I'm curious to get your thoughts, was what I call the sweet science. A, a, an example of a guy who's right in front of his opponent, where they both are arm distance away, where you can inflict damage on each other, and both were known for their defensive skill and the sweet science uh, overall. And Lomachenko was a guy that seemingly was hitting uh, Rigondeaux at will, and Rigondeau couldn't get off. He couldn't get off punches. He couldn't. He, it was like he had no answer for this guy. And keeping in mind, between the two of them, four gold medals and over 900 uh, amateur fights, experience obviously was equal. What was your assessment of the performance, the fight, the whole nine? Well, I was, I was amazed. I was amazed and very surprised at the same time because actually I thought that Rigandau, I, I thought Rigandau was going to win because he had been so dominant in his past uh, performances that he was boring. You know, his dominance made him, especially his boxing skills, his, his offensive and defensive skills in most of his fights leading up to this had, had actually made him a boring fighter. And, for a long time, I felt that people really didn't appreciate the sweet science as was best displayed by Rigondeaux. 
So he got in this particular fight, you know, he just got out. I mean, this 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 Lomachenko, I mean, he just overwhelmed him. And I was just totally surprised at the overwhelming performance um, that uh, Lomachenko uh, put on. And he stood right in front of him. I mean, you saw almost every aspect of the sweet, as you say, the sweet science, angles, movement, you know, maneuvers. And he just totally, totally dominated him. And it was so surprising. And, of course, the way the fight ended, you know, I lost a lot of respect for Rigandau for, for, for what I thought he just quit right on the stool because the reason that he gave that, he hurt his hand. He, he, hell, he landed a punch. So how did he hurt his hand? It's, you know, his hand may have been hurt before he came in. I don't know. But he certainly didn't hurt his hand in the ring because he didn't land a punch. I didn't see not one telling blow that uh, could be attributed to hurting someone's hand. He didn't come anywhere near hitting um, Lomachenko uh, in the head or, or in the facial area. So, you know, I, I just lost a lot of respect because I thought that he was so overwhelmed that he quit. But we saw, what we saw was an amazing display of, of um, defense and offense from Lomachenko. I agree. And as far as the, the Rigandau quitting, a lot of people were trying to compare it with um, the, you know, when Noma, when, right, when Roberto yeah. Duran quit against uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. And, and you know something? I, I don't, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. And I'm curious to get your thoughts. And, and, and I know Sugar Ray Leonard's your guy, right? But, but here's the difference, at least in my opinion. Yes. I'll start off by saying this. Yes, Roberto Duran quit. I mean, there's, there's no question about it. But I believe that the reason why he quit was because he was frustrated because he, he was the kind of guy, and he hadn't, even though he had been around for a, over a decade going into that fight, he really hadn't learned fighting a guy like Sugar Ray Leonard. He was more used to, okay, who's the bigger man? Who, mano a mano, you know, and, and let's go in there and we, we slug it out. And Sugar Ray Leonard was, was you know, uh, hitting him and, and, and getting out of harm's way. And it frustrated uh, uh, Durant to the point where he was like, forget it. I, I'm not going to fight you. Uh, uh, if you're not going to fight like a man, I don't want to fight you. The difference with Rigandau was exactly, the way I look at it, was exactly what you said. He's right there in front of the, uh, Lomachenko and can't lay a hand on him. You know, I, I mean, the frustration level was, was two different types, in my opinion, and figured at one point of the, you know, when he quit, he figured, hey, this is the way it's going to go for, for six more rounds, seven more rounds. Why waste my time? I'm just going to, because I've, I read between the lines his corner was pissed at him too. You know, his corner was very upset to say it was over. They were saying the same stuff. You're not throwing punches. And, and it wasn't that he, he wasn't trying. He just, he couldn't, every time he went to let his hands go, Lomachenko wasn't there to be hit. You know, I, what was your thoughts on the actual quitting? Well, I think that I think that uh, quite differently, and I and I agree with you. Uh, your your analogy between the uh, uh, Duran and Rigandau. Um What Sugar Ray Leonard did to Duran was a vintage Sugar Ray Leonard. Um, 
he not only defeated him physically, uh, I think he was in better condition, number one, going in, because we knew how, we know how Duran had blown up after the first victory, and he actually thought that he owned Sugar Ray after that first victory. Okay, so he went and got as much out of shape as he could get, and he really never got in the good physical condition that Ray was in. That's number one. Ray defeated him physically going in. But what really uh, might be even more important, Duran, he allowed Ray to really get in his head. Ray defeated him psychologically, okay, which is a, a perfect example of how uh, athletic competition, especially combative sports, the, 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 the vital uh, importance of psychology, of getting in the opponent's head, and how much that contributes to a victory. So Ray, Ray beat him with two important elements. Physically, he was in better condition, okay? And psychologically, he got, it, he got so much inside of Roberto Duran's head that Roberto was just totally overwhelmed from those two, two uh, crucial areas. Now, with Rigondeaux and Lomachenko, it was more, to, in my opinion, not so much psychological, but it was just pure mastery and skill. Rigondeaux could not handle what was in front of him. And he just um, was so overwhelmed that somewhere in his psyche, he had made up his mind that, hey, there's no way that I'm going to win this fight. There's no way that I could beat this guy. And instead of getting carried out on my back in a knockout, maybe I can salvage some of this by selling um, to the fans that I injured my hand and that's why I quit. But he just out and out quit because he was so overwhelmed. That's my opinion. You know, um, Lomachenko was right there. I mean, it was like, you want to engage? Here I am. And he was just so overwhelming that, um, you know, uh, Rigondeaux just, just gave up. You know, that, that's the way I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, the one other thing which the Sugar you know, not to get too much on that, but the Sugar Ray Leonard, remember the first fight, he didn't fight Sugar Ray. Sugar Ray Leonard didn't fight like Sugar Ray Leonard in the first fight. So Roberto Duran, you know, didn't he probably was thinking this guy's like you said, you know, I own this guy. He's he's nothing, you know. And then he got to face the real Sugar Ray Leonard in the second fight. But uh, the other fight I want to talk about on this card was actually the uh, Irish Olympian Michael Conlon. I see some I see some uh, some promise in this kid. Uh, the one thing I didn't like, and and it just bothers me when when young fighters do it, and then. You hear the excuse, well, you know, they... they, they hands. Yeah. yeah, his hands yeah. are down, man. You're reading my mind, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And and then they say, well... Well, you know, we think alike. Yeah, you know, I, I, I know. the I know worst part about it is yeah. when they defend it, Larry, they'll say, well, when I'm in with a better guy, my hands will go up. And I'm always like, no, I, you know, when I had... I owned this gym, and I remember I had a heavyweight I was working with, and he used to do that in the gym when he's sparring. I go, what are you doing? You know, he's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm out of harm's way. You know, I thought, well, you, you, you need to practice keeping your hands up all the time. You know, because when you're in a fight and you think you're out of harm's way after several rounds 
and maybe you're misjudging that distance a little bit and you let your hands down, that's when you wake up in the locker room. You know, I, I just, I mean, a guy that shows this much promise, I just can't understand why, why his corner's not emphasizing to keep your hands up. What do you think? Well, well, once again, you know, it's that tendency towards showmanship, okay? And they forget that there's, 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 there was only one Muhammad Ali, okay? Now, uh, Muhammad Ali was such a gifted fighter that he did almost everything the wrong way. Dropped his hands, pulling back from punches, things of that nature, okay? So we have to give that to Ali and attribute it to his greatness and his just uh, pure boxing ability and skills but with these younger generation of fighters coming up you know this tendency towards showmanship towards demonstrating their mastery to the crowd by sort of um you know uh dropping their hands the fancy uh, shuffles and walking to the side clowning sticking out the tongue all of this nonsense you know can get them in trouble and i think that it starts early in their careers, just like this kid Conlon, okay, and his his trainers, his corner people, insisting and drilling him in, 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 in the gym like you did with your fighter. You know, making him understand that these types of antics could get you in trouble, especially dropping the hands. And he's still in the developmental stage of his prof- professional career. He's not a champion yet. He hasn't really proven anything yet other than the fact that he's on his way up, okay? So I think that that's a sign that his head might be getting too big, that he thinks that every, you know, and and another thing, another thing, you know, you got to be careful, keep putting these fruitcakes in front of these guys on the way up because that's the quickest way to spoil a fighter. Then when he goes in against some real competition, he finds himself in a lot of trouble. So I agree with you 100% that um, that's a bad habit that needs to be nipped in the bud right now, okay? And I think that this kid does show some promise, you know, and if he continues to improve, uh, we're going to hear some big things from him also in the future. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And, and, you know, good habits or bad habits are hard to break. Habits are hard to break. That's why they call them habits, you know, and if they're not emphasizing now at this stage, it's going to be something that follows him uh, all the way through his career, and uh, it's it's a shame. And I and obviously I agree with you 100% about putting fighters in too lightly early on, and I, we were actually talking about that just before you came on air about, the big fight coming up this weekend between Lemieux and Billy Joe Saunders. You know, I mean, for the longest time, I'm writing off Billy Joe Saunders, you know, and then as I'm starting to do my, um, you know, uh, research, so to speak, to prepare to break down the fight, I'm seeing that early in Billy Joe Saunders' career, and I'm talking early, first several fights, he fought some experienced guys. Now, you know, the, the guy that doesn't know much about boxing and sees a pro debut guy against a 13 and 52 guy, says, oh, look at this guy, lost 52 fights, he's a bum. But he's still a guy that fought over 60 pro fights against a pro debut guy. You know, that says something. To me, we don't see that in, in the U.S. We see a guy fighting the first 10, 15 fights against 
fighters with uh, pro debut records or three or four fights, uh, professional opponents that come in and their their career lasts for three fights, you know, and uh, it makes a big difference on the up, you know, like when they're moving up, I think, you know, but uh, anyway. Um, and one last thing, your guy, uh, Shakur Stevenson, I, there's a good example. This kid shows all the promise, and I think they realize, because remember, his first couple of fights, I thought they put him in, you know, he had a great amateur career, whatever, but I thought they put him in with some grizzly guys that did, that made him not look as spectacular as he could. And now they seem to uh -huh. be backtracking a little bit, and they're putting him uh -huh. in with, with these lower-level guys. And my question is, is it helping him or hurting him? What do you think? Well, well, I'm telling you, man, great minds think alike. I was very disappointed in the opponent. How many punches did this guy throw? Did he throw any punches? Um, Shakur, in my opinion, in this fight, and I'm not taking away anything from Shakur because I love the kid, okay? But I hope that in their quest to get a knockout or a few technical knockouts on his record, they don't go too far the other way because this guy, okay, came in with nothing. I mean, I'm looking at this fight, and I'm saying, oh, my gosh, what are they doing? Okay, what did he learn from that? See, when a kid is on the way up, you have to map his course. You know, you got to put him in with yeah, guys that's going to make him work a little bit, guys that's going to bring out certain abilities, help to polish up those skills. Eh, somewhere along the line, you might throw him in with a, with a soft ball who – Possibly is not a great puncher, but somebody that's going to make him work. This is how you're engineering this kid up the line, through the matchmaking. I felt that they made a big error with this guy because neither this guy didn't need Shakur, okay, because he was no match for him, but Shakur didn't need this guy either, okay, because it was like a wasted effort. He learned nothing. I was sitting there, and I'm like, well, I mean, uh, you know, feeding them a punching bag like this, what's, you know, what's the purpose of this? So I was disappointed, you know. Um, I, would, I hope that in the next fight, they put him in with a bigger, at least a little bit more of a test, so that, um, you know, even some skills that he possesses can be displayed, because... Oftentimes, you know, good fighters only fight to the level of their opposition. So in many ways, the fans did not get the opportunity in that fight to see some of Shakur's real uh, skills because the, uh, the opposition was like a big zero, you know. So he did enough to stop this guy. He got him out of there, which is something that he should have done, okay, if he hadn't taken this guy out, I would have been very disappointed because I'm saying, hey, he has no competition and he couldn't stop this guy or he couldn't knock him out or whatever. So he did that. I was, I was satisfied with that. But I was not satisfied with the level of competition. I thought that uh, he didn't need this guy like this guy didn't need him. And hopefully going forward, you know, they'll keep him on track like they had him in the beginning. You know, give him some, give him some opponents that's going to make him work, that's going to bring out the best in this kid. 
and I think that uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna see a lot more of uh, Shakur and and his uh, skills. So that's the way I felt about that one. It's almost like this guy should have been his pro debut, you know, and, and then they should have, you know, progressed with some of the other fighters he's already fought. You know, I mean, that was my point. Right. Like they, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, like yeah. you don't want to regress. You know, you put him in a little tough to begin with, which I thought they did. And, you know, now all of a sudden they're regressing. Well, that doesn't help regressing. a fighter, yeah. you know. I right. mean, it's the other way around. You're supposed to progress. Right. You, know, you're, you know, you're supposed to, you know, put him in a little tougher. And I agree. I mean, you're talking old school. Sprinkle in a southpaw, a short guy, you know, a, a, a tall guy, a lanky guy, a guy that can box, right. a guy right. that punches, right. a guy, you know. Right. You know, that's that's how they used to do it. That's why fighters never got a shot at a world title till they had 40 fights. Cause, and, and then today... Oh, he fought a southpaw. Now he knows how to fight southpaws. What are you, what are you talking about? You fight one southpaw, now you know how to fight southpaws? No. You got to fight a tall one, a right. short one, a, a body puncher, a, a boxer. Uh, you know, you fight uh, six or seven or ten southpaws. Now you got some experience against southpaws, you know. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, right. it's a joke. And speaking of jokes, I, listen, nobody wants to see uh, the ultimate heavyweight fight between uh, uh, AJ, uh, Anthony Joshua, and Deontay Wilder. And I'll be honest, I thought that Luis Ortiz would be a, a good challenge for Deontay Wilder. But what I witnessed um, on Friday when they put Luis Ortiz, who, who incidentally, Larry, looked like he was in good shape uh, compared to what I've seen before. I, I've, I've called a couple of his fights and I've seen him live several times, but he's still 37, 38 years old. He looked very ordinary to me against a, a, a guy with virtually no skills in, in Daniel Martz. But what bothered me wasn't that. What bothered me was the WWE feel I got from that event and the fact that, uh, you know, Deontay was sitting, uh, you know, ringside and, and they're, I'm going to do this, yeah, I'm going to yeah, do that to yeah. you. They bring him up into the ring. I mean, I was waiting for Vince yeah. McMahon and Mean Gene Oakland to pop out and start talking to Jesse the Body Ventura. I mean, it was so wrestling-esque, I, I couldn't take it. What was your thoughts on the fight? Well, well, basically the same. I mean, Ortiz, I always felt was a legitimate heavyweight. Okay, but uh, he looked very ordinary in that fight. And as far as the WWF um, uh, analogy, you're right on with that. You know, we get somehow boxing falls in. You know, I felt the same way with um, McGregor and, and Mayweather, you know, with their, with their press tour. You know, that, that was all pure WWF all the way. And I think that, you know, boxing should stay away from that, you know. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, you go overboard with this with this bullshit. Uh, I'm going to do this to you. You're going to do. We already know basically going in, you know, that in my opinion, I don't think Ortiz is any match for Wilder. Wilder's going to beat him. Ortiz is a legitimate heavyweight, I think. But I think that with his age and everything else that you throw in that uh, he's not going to beat Wilder, you know, unless he lands a, a punch. So, so telling that Wilder, you know, he knocks him out. But I think that this WWF crap, you know, nobody really wants to see it because nobody's falling for it anyway. So, you know, you just, you know, they're just going through an act that's unnecessary and it doesn't look good for, this, for boxing's image. 
in my opinion. So we should try to stay away from that type of nonsense. Oh, I, so I don't appreciate it. Really. I, I agree, but people do fall for it. What, 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 I, what, I really, what I really hate is the fact that, you know, we, we all know that Anthony Joshua made an offer to Deontay Wilder and a substantial one. Wilder is holding out for 50-50, which I don't believe – he Which deserves. he's not going to get. And I don't believe he deserves it. So so we, we no. know that. We've discussed that on this show. And yet they spin it last week saying uh, he don't. He's, he's ducking us both so we have to fight each other. And there's fans that email me and tell me, you know, that that's the case, you know, and, and I laugh. One last thing I, I want to um, uh, mention to you, and, and this kind of – I kind of did it out of order because – and no disrespect to Orlando Salido and, and uh, Mickey Roman. It was a great, entertaining fight uh, against two guys that virtually in the same position of, of their careers. We got treated to uh, a, a good fight, and, you know, thankfully Salido uh, is going to hang him up. But what I wanted to talk about was the other fight. Jean Pascal fought the undefeated kid, uh, Ahmed uh, Abiliai. And this is an exact example of what we were talking about before when we were talking about Shakura Stevenson. Here's a guy in Abilii who demonstrated that he's got a solid chin, he's big, he's strong, but he never fought anybody for his 16 fights going into this fight against Jean Pascal. I was one of the only people that picked Jean Pascal, and Jean Pascal was never anything special. He's well beyond his best. Uh, I thought the best fight mm -hmm. he had uh, was uh, way back when... Uh, uh, he fought uh, um, uh, what's his name from in England uh, years and years ago. Uh, I don't have to get into that, but the truth of the matter is, is that Abilii, uh without the experience of fighting a guy like Jean Pascal, what made his team think that after 16 fights against Cupcakes, that he would go in against a former world champion, a guy that was in there with guys like B Hop, uh, and win? What, what was your thoughts on that one? Well, they felt that he was done. See, they felt that he was so used up, and that he was a big enough that he was a a name that would look good on his uh, Abilia's, um resume, and they were willing to take a chance. You know, that's basically what it was. But here's a guy who's fought nobody, okay, and you're going to throw him in against a former world champion, okay. So now that's not only an insult to his skills whether he still possesses skills at the same level or not. But it's an insult to him as a fighter that, you know, you would think so lowly of him that you're going to bring in this neophyte, basically, okay, against a former world champion and expect for him to win. And so that's basically the mentality there. And when you're dealing with, you know, non-fight people for the most part that really don't know what they're doing, when they're trying to, um, you know, manage these fighters and get them to, you know, titles, these are the types of mistakes that they make along the way, and, and that's what happens, you know. Yeah, I, I still look back at Jean Pascal. I mean, uh, when he fought Carl Frotch, and that was that was a great fight. That's what put him on the map. That was a, I, I, that's you know, what put him on the map. Yep, that's right. Yep. And, he, and he really didn't improve much, um, And uh, but – you know, he had enough left to uh, to beat a kid that never was exposed to anything. And this goes back to, 
you know, the, the TV execs and the management and promotions, et cetera, et cetera, trying to overprotect and feeling that they can only sell a guy if he's got the O, you know, and I'm hoping, you know what, I'm, I'm seeing that changing now, Larry, and, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad. We had a great year, 2017. We got some good fights coming up 2018. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to the resurgence to continue, and uh, I'm excited about it. And I'm really excited about the fight this weekend, so I look forward to your uh, thoughts on that one next week, my man. Okay, okay, okay. I'm looking forward to it too, Billy. David Lemieux, Billy Joe, De- David Lemieux, yeah, Billy Lemieux. Joe Sounders is not going to be an easy fight for either one of these guys. I, I think it's going to no, end the year with a bang. It's going to be a good fight. It is. Yeah. It is. I'm I, I'm excited about it. But uh, listen, you have a great weekend. Enjoy the fights. We'll talk to you next week, brother. Okay, Billy. You too, buddy. All right, Larry. Take care. That's okay. Larry Hazard, Boxing Hall of Fame and New Jersey Boxing Commissioner, giving us his thoughts. Can't wait to watch Lemieux, Billy Joe Saunders. And then, of course, we'll get Larry's thoughts on that next week. I'm going to take a short break. When we come back, I got some emails to read. Bunch of other stuff, too. Don't go nowhere, is my point. Billy Z will be right back. Check out. Now back to Talking Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. morning. It's Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, don't forget about getting a couple of copies of my book for the holidays. You want to give it out for gifts, don't you? Just visit the website, billycboxing.com, and click on the book. Joining me again, my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senicola. And uh, (laughs) Sal, um, I got some emails to read. You ready to roll? I am ready, and I enjoyed that segment with Mr. Hazard. He's a great man. You guys do a great job. Larry, uh, Larry's... uh, He's the best. He's uh, class act, one hundred percent across the board. Knows, from knows, day one, knows his stuff. Knows his stuff, yes, which he uh, does. Uh, is a big thing. But uh, anyway, we got some emails. This first one's from Mitch. He says Tyson Fury failed to show up for his uh, UKAD hearing. That's United Kingdom Athletic. I mean, uh, anti-doping agency hearing the other day. Then today, I see a press release that says uh, uh, while Tyson and Huey were ready and prepared to see the hearing through. Uh, They decided to settle uh, and uh, bring this long-running dispute to a close. He says, what do they mean by settle? It sounds crazy. Sounds like some money exchanged hands. Uh, What do you think, Sal? Settle is settle. That means, uh, you know, you compromise. You give a little bit of this, you give a little bit of that, and um, it may not be 100% our way. It's not going to be 100% your way, but guess what? We're going to meet somewhere in the middle, and we're all going to be happy, and we're going to go on. So yeah, I think there was definitely some um, some friendly exchanges of words and handshakes, and uh, I mean it is what it is. Settle is settle. Um, yeah, I, it was it was swept under, probably a little censure, a little slap on the wrist, and uh, let's go on. Maybe periodic testing a little more often than uh, than otherwise required. Um, we got uh, another email. Thanks for the email, uh, Mitch. This one's from uh, <laughs> this one's from your guy, Raheem. Good morning, Raheem. Billy and Sal. This is Raheem, Raheem here. He says, how long is it going to take for Joshua to sign and fight Wilder? 
It looks like the fight is like Mayweather against Pacquiao when Pacquiao had the chance to sign, but he turned it down because he didn't because turned it down because of him not respecting that Floyd wanted the Olympic testing and Manny turned down Floyd's offer of money and Manny delayed a great fight in their prime. <laughs> I always got to laugh at this guy because he's got such a deluded uh, opinion on, on stuff. I mean, this is a clear case of a young fan drinking the Floyd Mayweather Kool-Aid, that smokescreen that so many young fans have, have been... Uh, lied to and 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 it's it's sickening it wasn't manny i i'm not even going to respond on that anyway and and i got news for you it's not anthony joshua either wilder never made two million dollars in his life what what makes that mean that he deserves a 50 50 split forget about it he says wilder he he said let me read the rest of it he says wilder has the major belt the wbc that has true lineage of the real champion. And the WBC is the most respected belt out there. Uh, I think Walt, Wilder wanting to stay in England to fight shows he doesn't want to come to the U.S. when he can make more in Las Vegas. I also want to give props to Lomachenko. I thought Guillermo was going to knock him out because he was undefeated with 11 knockouts. My father told me that Lomachenko was going to outbox him because of his power. I think Lomachenko is a boxer to look forward to. I, you know what I think, Raheem? I think you got to listen to your father a lot more than you do. Your father seems to know about the sport. The WBC is just one of four belts. Is it a recognized belt? Do people have a tendency to want it? Yeah. Okay. Is it probably the better one of the of the sanctioning bodies? I would lean towards the WBC, my personal opinion. But do not for a minute think that Deontay Wilder is in any kind of driver's seat. He's not even in the same car as Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua has a, uh, the potential to make 20 or $30 million every time he steps in the ring against anybody in England. Why the hell would he come to the United States? There's no way in hell he would be able to make the same money in Las Vegas. And besides, Deontay Wilder can't draw flies to a garbage convention. He calls Barclays Center in Brooklyn his second uh, home. Why do they walk the streets of Brooklyn asking anybody if they've ever heard of him? Nobody's ever heard of him. You know, please, Raheem, listen to your father because he seems to know a hell of a lot more about the reality of the sport of boxing than you do. Would you like to add anything to that, Sal? Well, yeah. I I mean, I'm going to give Raheem a a little bit of a uh, – not a pass, but, but hey, listen. He's a young fan. He's learning the game, and he is – Pretty, pretty much subject to what the media, what the people that uh, he he's biting down on listening. So he he's not as well-rounded. He's more like a, a, a fighter making his pro debut in a four-rounder. All right? So he's going to mature. Raheem's going to see the light. He's going to know all the ins and outs. But he's a young fan learning the game, learning the sport. And, yes, as you pointed out, Billy, this is not Anthony Joshua avoiding to sign a contract with Deontay Wilder. The whole picture, if it was spelled out, you know, it's a battle of, of, of attrition with even getting to the signing of a contract. You've got to negotiate. You've got to do this. But Joshua has given Deontay Wilder an opportunity to make more money than he ever has in his career. So with that being said, Anthony Joshua is in complete control in the driver's seat with this fight. And I think that Deontay Wilder should be 
able to compromise and a little bit of understanding that with the rematch clause or something else, that there's going to be some big things for him in the big picture. So Raheem, I, I think that he's uh, well on his way. He's a he's a he's a he's a prospect learning the fight game. Uh, he will become a, a, a main event fighter one day, Raheem and you. And uh, so I think that uh, he's he's learning the trade at a young level. That's all I'm saying. I think Raheem is a is a pure example of what has happened to our young boxing fans. The one that bought all the BS that Floyd Mayweather spewed over the last several years. His his value is in oh, his value is in uh, all the wrong things. Let's face it. At the end of the day, the best fight the best in the sport of boxing. The best challenge themselves. They try to prove that they're the best by fighting the best. The best prove to themselves and to the boxing world that they do things above and beyond what's expected. That's what the best fighters do. That's what all of the historical fighters, the fighters that live on forever in the memory of of fans, are the ones that have done things like that. The ones that have come out and, and what Roy Jones Jr., is a guy, whether you like him or not, and and for a whole generation of fans that have been watching him for the last 10 years, never got to see Roy Jones Jr. in his prime. But here's a guy that won belts all the way up to the heavyweight. I mean, that's something that, you know, fighters need to do. They need to challenge themselves. Now, I'm not suggesting that all fighters need to move up in weight all the way, like they're saying Lomachenko Lomachenko has to uh, fight, uh, uh, you know, Mikey Garcia, or he's got to fight this one, he's got to fight that. You know, no, they don't. But... At the end of the day, when you get to that point where you're trying to be an all-time great, a guy that's trying to be, from a historical perspective, etched in stone, the guys that get etched in stone are the guys that do great, great things. You know, I know Raheem is a big Floyd Mayweather fan, but what has Floyd Mayweather done except amass 50 wins and no losses? And that record is not even... You don't even, it it doesn't matter for any division other than the heavyweight division. Floyd was a successful businessman that was able to manipulate young fight fans like Raheem. And unfortunately, we have a whole generation of fight fans that don't know a left hook from a fish hook. Thank God Floyd is gone, hopefully forever. And he says he wants to be a Russian citizen. I hope he moves to Russia. (laughs) And the truth of the matter is, is when Floyd's not active in the sport of boxing as a fighter, because personally, if if I had my way with Floyd Mayweather, he would focus on his produ- his promotion company. He could probably be one of the better promotion companies if he focused on that, not himself. But the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, when Floyd is not active inside the ring as a fighter, the sport does a hell of a lot better. And, and, and 2017 is a great example of that. So um, I hope he goes to Russia and never comes back. Uh, I got another uh, email. This one's from Joel. Uh, and, and that's my honest opinion, Sal. I mean. No, uh, I, I, yeah, I respect it. I know you're laughing at me. I hope, he likes, I hope he likes the Russian front. But anyway, um, in, uh, in, in Joel says, uh, hey, Billy C., 
Uh, I don't mean to put any pressure on you or bother you, but I noticed but, but. Uh, it's been. Where's my T-shirt? No, but I noticed it's been a while since you've. Done, I don't know. Call Sal about your friggin' T-shirt. All right? No, he says. I uh, found his address. He says, but I noticed. I noticed it's been a while since you've done a post-fight show after a major card. Any word on when you're going to start doing that again? I thought after Saturday's fight uh, would be a great uh, time to do it, but understand you may be tied up with other things in your agenda. Um, I know. I let you guys down, and that's I have no excuse. But, no, <laughs> I don't want to make any excuses. But here's it's a the but. thing. Uh, it's no. a but. Uh, I, I, the truth of the matter is, is I did uh, let you guys down, but I promise that 2018 is going to bring us uh, post-fight shows after every, ma- after every major fight, and unless we're there live. Um, and trust me when I tell you, 2018, we're entering our 15th year uh, in 2018 uh, doing this show. And uh, it is going to be the best year ever. So uh, just keep your shorts on, people. You're going you're gonna to love it. Uh, we talk about, you know, I've always thought we were the best boxing uh, talk uh, show out there. I still believe we are. And I, I don't think there's anybody close to competition. And uh, after uh, the beginning of 2018, we are going to distance ourselves so far from the next uh, uh, show. Uh, there's going to be no doubt about it. So. Anyway, he says, I got a big free UFC card on Saturday. Uh, I got a big free UFC card on Saturday, but have the Saunders-Lemieux card on my tablet for sure. Been a Lemieux fan since 2009. Uh, Fight TV is showing a couple off-TV bouts as well Saturday. I really enjoy this kind of card and place uh, like a hotbed for boxing like Montreal. I'm excited for Selden uh, Ulysses Jr. Uh, as uh, Ulysses is coming to a very controversial split decision. And the end of October against Steve Claggett. Uh, Gustin, uh, uh, Gustavo uh, Clayton is another Canadian fighter you should keep your eye on. He's fighting too. Uh, you got Butler fighting hard against uh, Leonardo Tyner. Uh, Montreal heavyweight prospect Simon Keane. I think Joel is, a, is an advertising agency for, for Fight TV. That's what I think. Um, he says, a journeyman <laughs> veteran uh, who has lost to them all, Mike Shepard. All in all, very exciting card. I was a big fan of Montreal. I see... I think Sal would really appreciate Montreal boxing scene. If he has time on Saturday, watch that HBO card. They're very thanks, guys. Hey, if Sal better watch the card on Saturday, and and I would be shocked if you missed that one, Sal. No, I I mean, I, and especially I'm, I'm a big fan of Canada and Montreal. I have friends up there, and I fought up in Montreal, and uh, it was my last international bout. Um, Bobby Ches and I uh, went up to. Um, it was the last international bout before we were going to both take that fatal flight over to Warsaw, Poland, that we both did not get on the plane. And um, But uh, we fought. I fought uh, Davy Hilton Jr. up in Montreal in the old Olympic Center there. And um, I love Montreal. Love Canada. It's, it's a great place. I'm never going to move there, but uh, I, I like it. It's a nice place to visit. And I think the fans there uh, really, really outboxing and really are uh, true to the sport. And uh, I'll tell you what, that's the that's the magic, right up there. It's a, it's a great area, great uh, great fan base, and we're going to see some great things coming out of Canada and out of out of uh, Montreal, especially the starting with this weekend. 
I love the women in Montreal. They have this too, European, I, they have I, this yeah. European feel and look. Well, I don't, I don't want to say feel. That sounded wrong. They they have this European easy, feel. Easy, uh, easy. No, no, no. But they uh, they 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 look like they look uh, European. Let, let me read the next email. <clears throat> this one uh, uh, is from. Let, let me move right moving right along. <laughs> wait, wait. Uh, the European. <laughs> uh, this uh, this is from uh, my man Don. He says, hey, yeah, Billy C., I love your show. I've only been a boxing fan for about three years. I started watching a few Muhammad Ali fights. Then I looked up uh, some all-time great fight lists and watched a bunch of those fights on YouTube. I was hooked. Before listening to your show, I was somewhat, oh, God, I was somewhat of a Floyd Mayweather fan. Um, okay. I thought he was a great example of the sweet science. However, after I started listening to your show, I realized I was wrong and didn't know much about boxing. It was uh, time for me to go to school and learn. I listened to many of your older shows on YouTube. I did some reading about uh, boxing. I watched the fights. You recommended a book called The Arc of Boxing, The Rise and uh, Decline of the Sweet Science. This book helped me understand the history of boxing. Uh, it was eye-opening. It certainly isn't true about all boxing fans, but there are some fans who just don't know much about the sport. Some fans are too quick to call other boxing fans casuals if they don't agree with them. They act like they're too stupid to know boxing uh, is a subjective sport. I see this often on Facebook, or they'll say things like, if you don't think Floyd Mayweather is the best ever, this means you don't know anything about boxing. Or if you don't like him, it must mean you're a racist. Yeah, dude, I, I, I have to stop right now because this is so true, and it bothers the hell out of me, Sal. Um, when you hear that right, right off the bat, and I and I get that all the time. Right off the bat, you know, I, and I'm not a big Floyd Mayweather fan. And right, right, right off the bat, people, oh, you're racist. No, no, I'm not. I mean, what does that have to do with anything? I mean, I write a book about a a, a guy who was a freed slave who I'm trying to make awareness about. All my favorite fighters are black. Most of them are all black. I mean, with the exception of Rocky Marciano and Jack Dempsey, I mean, all the other ones I'll name off are all black fighters. How does that make me a racist? You know, just because I don't like one of them, you know? I mean, uh, and I don't like him because he, the reason why I don't like Mayweather is because I feel that he doesn't do the greats justice because of the path he chose and the route that he chose uh, to, uh, to, to you know, be successful in the sport. Now, when I put my business hat on, I don't have anything against Floyd. I, I commend him for being able to make so much money uh, for doing so little. I, I really do, you know. And I've always said that the, one of the things that I do admire about Floyd was the fact that he always stays in good condition. You know, he's always a couple of pounds away from fight condition. And that is huge in the pro game because, you know, the difference between Floyd Mayweather and, and most of his cherry-picked opponents was the fact that Floyd knew who he was going to fight. And when he went to training camp, he was working on his game plan. He didn't have to work on conditioning and weight loss and this and that like a lot of other fighters do. Floyd never balloons up, uh, you know, much weight after a fight. And that is, is hard to stay like that it shows that floyd is extremely disciplined and i admire that you know but anyway um he says uh um uh that means uh, you know that he says that what i said was they people act like you don't know anything uh, about boxing if you don't think floyd's the best or you're uh, a racist he says and then there's idiots who say if vasily lomachenko 
uh, was black. He wouldn't be in anybody's pound-for-pound list. Uh, Lomachenko is the real deal. Some fans should learn more about uh, boxing before judging anyone who disagrees with them as a casual fan or a racist. Uh, before the Lomachenko uh, haters, Rigandau didn't look comfortable at all. Uh, um, I'm sorry. He says, before the Lomachenko haters said he shouldn't be considered a top pound-for-pound fighter because he was only 8-1, and one, then 9-1, and one, or because he lost to Salido. Rigandau didn't look at all comfortable against Lomachenko. Lomachenko haters won't give him credit for the win. They'll say Rigo was too old or he was a smaller guy. Nonsense. If Lomachenko fought uh, that uh, beached whale named Tyson Fury and beat him, the haters wouldn't still give him credit. Lomachenko has made four opponents in a row quit. He has only 11 pro fights, but he's fought the kind of opposition that a lot of fighters won't face until 20 or 25 fights into their careers. For example, Floyd Mayweather didn't fight somebody who was undefeated until he fought Diego Corrales in his 25th fight. He didn't fight anyone else undefeated until after uh, Ricky Hatton in his 39th fight. Lomachenko has fought three guys who were undefeated. Uh, Vasily Lomachenko is very good, and he definitely is one of the top pound-for-pound fighters right now. He's number one on my pound-for-pound list. What are your thoughts on that? Where do you have Lomachenko on your pound-for-pound list? Um, First off, thank you very much for your email, Don. It's a pleasure to read, especially a new boxing fan that took the time to go back and do a little research uh, on the sport itself. I think that that is extremely uh, important, and I give you a lot of credit Uh, for doing that because it makes your opinions and your comments more substantial to be able to go back and see what uh, a lot of us old bastards refer to. Uh, That book I I mentioned, The Rise and Fall of Sweet Science, um, was uh, not exactly an interesting read uh, in terms of, you know, excitement being glued to the book, but... um, what they made, what what he pointed out in that book was why boxing was so much better back in the day. The pool of fighters, the amount of fights that took place, the popularity of the sport itself, all had a hand in what we look at as the sport of boxing today. Not so much. Um, and, and I will say this about Floyd Mayweather: um, when you look at Floyd, my my criticisms of, of Floyd are generally the last ten years. Uh, because on his way up, Floyd was an exciting fighter. He was a fighter that put people on their ass. Uh, he was a guy that would engage with you. He was a, 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 a guy that showed immense talent. It wasn't until he decided to become Money Mayweather uh, where his outlook on the game changed and his path to riches changed. Uh, you know, like I say, when I put my business hat on, I'm not going to criticize Floyd. But make no mistake. Floyd was a great fighter 10 years ago. I think this last 10 years of his career, uh, the one that a lot of young fans seem to have you know, followed with him, has been all calculated. And uh, again, from a business decision, you got to give him credit. But don't have the uh, delusion or don't misunderstand me uh, about you know, discrediting Floyd because Floyd Mayweather was an extremely talented fighter and still is. My hangups with Floyd was that he just never challenged himself. He never did things that great fighters do. Like, you know, I thought that one of the things he should have done is fought Triple G. I thought that that would have been uh, an exclamation point on his career, whether he won or lost, and he failed to do that. Instead, he fights a pro debuter in Conor McGregor. 
uh, or he fights Andre Berto, or you know, he, he, you know, uh, it says it all. Now, as far as Lomachenko, um, Lomachenko is a is a is a great fighter. I mean, I I think he's great. I watched him. I was uh, very pleased with his performance against a, another guy who I thought was extremely talented in Guillermo Rigondeaux. Um, you know, is he number one pound for pound? You know, I I think it would be hard to argue that point right now. Um, you know, he had an extensive amateur career, a couple of gold medals. Uh, you know, I mean, who else is ahead of him? You know, uh, are we going to put Errol Spence Jr. ahead of him? You, you could make that argument. Uh, but Errol Spence Jr., uh, you know, he's, he's busted onto the scene. Very careful uh, career. Now he's busted onto the scene as a champion, showing us that he's loaded with skill. I just can't wait to see him more. I personally think right now, active pound for pound, you'd have to choose between the top three guys. Uh, to me, they're all on the same, they're all parallel with each other. Is Lomachenko, uh, is Errol Spence Jr., and don't forget about Mikey Garcia. Mikey Garcia is is a is a really good fighter. This guy, this guy is not only is he good, but he's entertaining. I, I mean, you know, I, how can you not like uh, uh, Mikey Garcia? You know, well, what's your thoughts on that, Sal? Well, I was waiting for you to also throw in there possibly Triple G. But, uh, you know, uh, I think, you know, we, with, with uh, Andre Ward retiring and being one of the top contenders for the all-round pound-for-bound active best, best uh, out there, uh, I think you named some top prospects that could have that title. Um, you know, I, I don't think everybody, anybody wants to face uh, Errol Spence. I think he's got all the talent and ability that we haven't even seen yet. And uh, I look forward to any one of his fights uh, coming up. Um, and I, I definitely think Lomachenko is on the rise. But in a young professional career, he's got so far to go uh, to really, to really uh, I mean, he's conquering the mountains one by one. But, uh, you know, it is a young career. He's, he's got under 15 fights, and I think he's got uh, to be tested, and he will be tested. And I think he'll, he'll continue to hone in and sharpen his uh, skill set, and I think he'll be more convincingly earning that title as pound for pound truest with each passing fight that he takes on and he defeats his opponent. I think he's definitely going to be thrown in that mix day in, day out. And don't forget about TC, Terrence Crawford, another good Terrence one. Crawford. See, yeah. we got you, – you, you mentioned it. I mean, we got Terrence Crawford. We got Triple G. We got uh, Errol Spence. Uh, we got Lomachenko. There are some great fighters right now out there that could vie for the pound-for-pound pound greatest right now in this active era of fighting. No, it's, it's true. Hey, listen, hold that thought. We're going to take a short break. When I come back, uh, we got another return of, a, a, of an exciting fighter. Uh, and I will uh, talk about that in about two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to The Billy C. Show. 
glad you could be with us. And uh, don't forget, programming note, uh, we will be doing a live show tomorrow. And we're scheduled to have a new author. Well, he's not a new author, but a new book out on Muhammad Ali. Uh, Jonathan Igg is the author of that book. And we're scheduled to have him join us and talk about the book a little bit tomorrow. Uh, and then we're off uh, until next week. And next week we will give you our holiday schedule. Uh, Christmas is upon us. Uh, we will be doing uh, some shows next week, but I am under the impression we will be doing shows uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week and then be off until after the first of the year, at least for live broadcast. Sal and I are working on some great stuff that you guys are going to love for 2018. But uh, Sal, uh, Lucas Matisse announced that he's going to be returning uh, January 27th um, 38 and four with 35 knockouts. Uh, this is a guy that uh, is an extremely uh, uh, exciting fighter. Uh, he is going to be uh, taking on uh, Tiwa Kairam, uh, who's an undefeated uh, uh, fighter from uh, Thailand. He's 38 and 0 with 28 knockouts. The vacant WBA World Welterweight title will be on the line. It will be broadcast on HBO. You know, I had a uh, chance to talk with Lucas Matisse. Uh, he was looking for management when he and I spoke. And his main concern was not his ability. His main concern was was being able to get some money. It sounded like uh, Lucas Matisse was uh, looking for a big payday. How important is it for a guy like Lucas Matisse, who's a former world champion, who's been in there with some you know big names, been in big fights, exciting fighter, etc. Is it important to him to get a payday at this stage? Or is it important to him to pick up another title? Well, hopefully they're both synonymous with one or the other. And uh, that would be the ideal situation. Uh, but right now, I think, um, you know, you have to look at boxing as a business that you are actively pursuing. That you're going to have a few short years to make the most amount of money. And like I said, if you're going to have a, uh, a th something in synonymous as a title fight with a big payday, yes, I think he should take the steps necessary that he has to lay the groundwork to get back into the title contention and get that payday. Uh, and I think that uh, you know he's got to really look at who is going to be his 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 person that's going to be helping him on that pathway. Uh, but definitely, I think uh, Lucas Matisse got to look at the business aspect but he's got to also be passionate and get back into title contention and, and win that championship um our trivia question has been stumping a lot of people and today i'm going to give you uh an, an, a really big hint because i want to give away a copy of the title bout championship computer game uh, before we close this year out uh and by the way speaking of closing the year out you guys are almost out of time submit please submit to us your top fights of 2017, whether it's your top five or your top 10, whatever you want. I need them in my hands um, before the end of this week, and I will read them live. So drop them to me, drop an email to me with your best 2017 fights of the year. Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. And that's the same email address to send the answer to this question. And if you're the first one to do so, um, you will get your very own copy of the title bout championship computer game. The question is a who am I question. I captured my first world title on my first try, but once I lost it, it took almost 12 years and five attempts before I would win another world title. Who am I? A big hint for you here is one of the titles was a world welterweight title. That's all I'm going to tell you. If you're the first one to email me, 
Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. You vend the price. On this day, December 13th in 2003, John Ruiz wins a 12-round decision over Hasim Rahman in their heavyweight fight that took place in Atlantic City, uh, New Jersey. Ruiz was then subsequently awarded the WBA World Heavyweight title, uh, becoming uh, the first uh, Puerto Rican. Uh, to win the uh, world heavyweight title. On this day in 1983, Marvin Camel knocks out Roddy McDonald in the fifth round to win the newly created IBF World Cruiserweight title, and it took place in Nova Scotia. On this day in 2003, Corey Spinks wins a 12-round decision of Ricardo Mayorga to win the world uh, and the WBC and the WBA World Welterweight titles. He also retained his IBF uh, world title. The fight took place in Atlantic City, New Jersey, on this day in 2003. On this day in 1997, Hector Lizarraga knocks out uh, Welcome Nikita in the 11th round to win the vacant IBF World Featherweight title, and that took place in one of my favorite places in Florida, Pompano Beach. Uh, on this day in 1997. On this day in 1980, Peter Mathabula wins a 15-round decision over Tai Sheik Kim to win the WBA World Flyweight title. It took place in Los Angeles, California on this day in 1980. And on this day in 1997, Mauricio Pastrana knocks out Manuel Herrera in the third round to regain the IBF World Junior Flyweight title, and that took place uh, on the same card as uh, Hector Lazarga uh, in Pompano Beach, Florida, on this day in 1997. Wow. Hey, man, that concludes our show for today. Uh, we had a lot of fun today. I want to thank Larry for joining us. Uh, uh, we wish uh, the best to Alex Perpali. He's been under the weather, and uh, uh, we are uh, planning on presenting uh, Henry Cooper as our blast from the past next week. Don't forget tomorrow's show. Uh, will feature uh, the author of a new Muhammad Ali book. I know there's a lot out, but this one's unique. We'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. Uh, but, uh, hey, listen, all I'm going to say is this. Make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. Da na 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 da na 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 da na 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 na